0: The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Why are such shocking and inhumane things happening today with the genocide of Christians in the Mid-East and the destruction of monuments such as the tomb of the prophet Jonah in ancient Nineveh? Why is God allowing terrorists to trash so much of the Mideast? Borders are being blurred, and we haven't seen the end of this yet. But of this we can be confident. The Bible speaks of a regional highway of peace during the millennial rule of King Messiah that will stretch from Egypt in the south through Israel and up to a nation called Assyria in the north. Not Syria, but Assyria. Two of these three nations favored by God Egypt and Israel already exist, since Israel was miraculously reborn in 1948, and Egypt, of course, has been around since prehistory. A third ancient nation in a triple alliance is still the missing link. It's Assyria, which is yet to reemerge, but watch what's about to happen. Hello, I'm Christine Darg. I want to read one of the most important prophecies in the Bible that's yet to be fulfilled, but we're seeing it beginning to come about. And it's Isaiah chapter 19, verses 23 to 25, which begins, In that day... You see, the biblical phrase, in that day, is an idiom referring to the end time leading into the millennial thousand-year rule of the Messiah. It says, in that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and Assyria will come into Egypt, and Egyptians into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. The highway that connects these three nations will be called the Highway of Holiness, according to Isaiah 35, 8. And this is God's own vision of three great Bible lands dwelling together in peace and spiritual unity. Now, let's link this with Deuteronomy 26 and verse 5. It says that the Israelite patriarch Jacob is referred to as a wandering Aramean or Syrian who went down with his sons into Egypt. He's called a Syrian or Aramean because of his family's beginnings in Mesopotamia. That's where Father Abraham originated in the cradle of civilization. Notice in Isaiah 1925, God pronounces a blessing over the three principal Bible lands by declaring, Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance. So when he looks down from above, that's how God sees the nations in this region. But for generations, only one of these three nations, Egypt, remained on world maps. Already in our time, we've seen the great miracle of the reemergence of the State of Israel in 1948. Modern-day Syria, on the other hand, was a creation of Western rulers and was handed over to France as a protectorate at the end of World War I and has no historical significance in its current form. Iraq was also man-made. But the ancient Assyrian Empire extended from Ur of the Chaldees up the Tigris-Euphrates Valley toward Baghdad, then across to the Mediterranean, taking in the area known principally today as Iraq and Syria. It's obvious in today's news headlines that both Iraq and Syria are shaking and crumbling. I believe God will continue to shake man-made borders of the Middle East. Even Isaiah 17 declares that Damascus will become a heap of ruins. Very few will know that modern day Assyrians are listed among the displaced peoples of the world by the United Nations and consist of about three million persons in a worldwide diaspora. Their capital city, Nineveh, known today as Mosul, has passed through a horrific time of persecution by Islamist terrorists. This is because the religion of the Assyrians today is Christianity, and Christianity in Iraq has recently suffered one of its worst periods in its long history. Many Christians have endured many hardships and persecutions through the centuries, but recent events have seen the most brutal acts of genocide. The homes of these persecuted Christians were confiscated and marked with the Arab symbol for the letter N, representing Nazarene or Christian by Islamist terrorists. Many people all over the world have adopted the Arabic letter for N as their Facebook profile photos in solidarity with the persecuted. The Assyrian Christians of Iraq are an oppressed minority like the Kurds but even more so because they're not Muslims. Assyrian Christians occupied this region first before Islam, but they've been disinherited by the majority Muslims. The hope and dream of these beleaguered Christians is to establish an autonomous Assyrian state. And in 1991, they were formally accepted as members of the unrepresented nations and peoples organization, the UNPO. And this is what their flag looks like. The wavy red and blue stripes represent the ancient biblical rivers, the Tigris and Euphrates. The Assyrian ancestral homeland is spread over parts of Iraq, parts of Iran, southeast Turkey, and Syria. They speak the ancient biblical language, Aramaic, And this is what the Lord's Prayer looks like in Aramaic. For the Assyrians, August the 5th, 1991 was an historic day. And some Assyrians saw their official recognition as a national people group as a first step toward restoring Assyria as prophesied by Isaiah 19. And another milestone happened in September of 2014 when the Aramaic Christians in the state of Israel were recognized as a national entity on Israel's civil registry. Father Gabriel Nadaf, the activist Orthodox Christian priest who lives in Nazareth, said it's important to point out that the Aramaic language was also spoken by Jesus and the Arameans who lived in Israel today as a minority group or direct descendants of the Arameans who also lived in Israel at the time of Jesus and who became Christians. Well, Israel's interior minister signed a resolution implementing the Aramaic Christian nationality into the civil registry of Israel. Father Gabriel said a historical injustice was rectified because Israeli citizens of an Eastern Christian origin have in the past been mistakenly identified as Arab Christians. Even though they speak Arabic, they don't have any connection to the Arab Islamic nationality and agenda. So the visibility of Aramaic-speaking Christians is rising in the news. And we as a ministry are praying for God to intervene to save the Assyrian or Aramaic-speaking Christians who were suffering so terribly. At least in Israel, they're safe from Muslim persecution. Just as the Israelites were lost in the nations, and God is still in the process of bringing them home, so the Assyrians seem to be a lost nation, but God knows where they're scattered. They're the forgotten missing link of the Isaiah 19 Confederacy, but God hasn't forgotten them, and He will regather them. A number of years ago, I took a prayer team into Iraq to pray and decree a rejoining of the Isaiah 19 nations prophetically, according to God's own vision. At the time, a member of the team kept asking me to listen to an audio cassette. So one day, while I was taking a nap in Baghdad, I decided to listen to the recording, and to my complete surprise, it was Pat Boone singing the theme song from Exodus. This land is my land. God gave this land to me, this brave and ancient land to me, as the song goes. Well, that startled me because God was saying that he wanted me to extend my territory in the Middle East to see the bigger picture of what God sees. He also loves the people of Baghdad, of Assyria, and so forth. He loves not only Israel, but he wants to bring all of the Middle East into his fold, as it were. In Bible days, the Assyrians were fierce, and God used them as His rod to judge the disobedient nation of Israel. But in Isaiah 19, the Assyrians are called God's handiwork. So just as God has a plan for Israel and Egypt, He also has an end-time plan for the scattered Assyrians who today are professing Christians. These Aramaic-speaking people were converted at the time of Jesus and they have faithfully maintained his witness despite Muslim persecution for nearly 2,000 years. God remembers them because this book promises Assyria will be restored once again, just as the Jewish nation has been restored. They're suffering terribly, just as the nations closed their doors to the Jews during World War II and nobody would let them in So these persecuted Middle Eastern Christians are shamefully being denied visas to the United States and the UK. Well, the book of Jonah in the Bible is all about God calling Assyria to repentance. God commissioned his reluctant Jewish prophet Jonah to go to that great city, Nineveh, the Assyrian capital, with a message of imminent destruction. I hope you know the story. Jonah didn't want to obey God because he didn't love the Assyrians. So he ran away from his assignment and he jumped on a ship headed west. Jonah was thrown overboard and swallowed by a great fish. And three days later, the fish vomited Jonah on the shore. But this time he obeyed God and he went to Nineveh and he preached hotly. Yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was the extent of his message. Jonah didn't preach grace and love. He preached hellfire and brimstone. He reveled in his message of destruction. But the people of Nineveh surprised Jonah. They repented en masse. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, the king rose from his throne, shook off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and humbled himself by sitting down in the dust. And the king issued a decree not to allow anybody, not even the livestock, to eat or drink. Both the people and the animals were covered with sackcloth. Isn't that amazing? Everyone was commanded to call urgently on God to give up their evil ways and violence so that God would relent and turn from his fierce anger. If only our Western nations would repent like that today. The decree of the king of Nineveh reminds me of the promise in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen: If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, when God saw how the Ninevites repented and turned from their evil ways, he decided not to bring on the destruction. In fact, Jesus himself later commended this amazing repentance. Jesus said that the men of Nineveh will rise at the judgment day and condemn Jesus' own generation for not repenting in Mass, as Nineveh did. God remembers these people. Today, the scattered Assyrians profess to be Christians, although like all professing Christians, they need a real born-again experience. And God will grant them a real revival in the coming Isaiah 19 Confederacy. The Highway of Holiness will start down in Egypt and will probably follow the ancient trade route called the Way of the Sea that runs up the coast of Israel and crosses over into the Plain of Megiddo, and into modern-day Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq. Now, just as Syria was a creation of the big powers, so was Iraq. Winston Churchill drew um, Iraq on a map, and Iraq used to be Mesopotamia or Assyria, and now it's being called Iraq, but it's being disrupted also and dismantled by Islamist terrorists. But according to Isaiah 19, this whole region will eventually be the model of peace and stability. God himself gets the ultimate peace prize because Egypt and Assyria, former sworn enemies of Israel, will live in peace and King Messiah will rule the region. Well, the rabbis teach that Bible prophecy isn't linear but comes in cycles and grows in degrees of intensity with each cycle. You see, already there's been a partial fulfillment of Isaiah 1925 on the day of Pentecost, nearly 2,000 years ago. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we learn that many nationalities were visiting Jerusalem during the Jewish festival at Pentecost, called Shavuot in Hebrew, including people from Mesopotamia, and they were joined with Egyptians, Libyans, and of course those in Judea and they received a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So the Isaiah 19 nations were already present in Jerusalem at Pentecost. It wasn't just the Jews who got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 names the Mesopotamians. That's the Assyrians. By the way, the name Mesopotamia means between the rivers. It's the territory between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. On the day of Pentecost, these Mesopotamians were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they returned to their land in the power of the Lord. Their ancient church of the East became a great missionary church. The Assyrians, along with the Apostle Thomas, ventured as far as India and China with the gospel. So Asia was originally evangelized by Asians. Christianity is not just a Western import in Asia. The Assyrians were among the first people to embrace Christianity, and they played a great role in making disciples for Jesus in Asia. But a greater fulfillment of the Isaiah 19 prophecy is coming when Egypt, Assyria, and Israel will dwell together without walled borders and when a superhighway connects them. These three former foes will find level ground at the throne of the God of Israel and his Messiah. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will bring a true heart alliance that's never been possible up to this point. And when Isaiah 19 comes to pass, Israel will finally fulfill its calling to be a light to the nations and a blessing in the midst of the earth. That's why it's so important to pray Isaiah 19 into being. For example, Daniel the prophet in his day didn't just sit back and watch Jeremiah's prophecy come to pass. No, Daniel fasted and prayed in tandem with prophetic activities. As they were happening, he was proactive. He knew God's word would be fulfilled to restore the Jews to Jerusalem. Yet Daniel also understood that God expects His people to pray believing prayers. God allows us intercessors to be co-laborers with Him. And so I believe this is the strategic time for us to pray the Isaiah 19 Confederation into reality. You see, the stalemate of failed peace negotiations and the cycle of chronic antagonism is not Heaven's plan. It's fascinating to consider that the three favored nations mentioned in Isaiah 19 presently represent the three dominant religions in the Middle East. You see, Islam is presently the religion of Egypt, although there's a large Christian Coptic population within Egypt who were there centuries before Islam invaded. And God calls Egypt my people because the Coptic Christians have kept the faith since the time that Egypt was evangelized by the Apostle Mark. The Coptic Christians have also been passing through horrific persecutions, but God sees and acknowledges them as my people. Israel's predominant religion, on the other hand, is a form of rabbinic Judaism. And the Assyrians since the day of Pentecost are traditionally Eastern Christians although these three represent three different religions, in the future, they will all worship the God of Israel and His Messiah. They'll be united. Therefore, Israel will no longer be exclusively God's people. Egypt and Assyria will share Israel's glory. And to express this expansion, Israel's three names of honor are mentioned in Isaiah 1925, and each of the three nations receives one of Israel's special titles. But Israel is still preeminent as God's inheritance. Nevertheless, it's quite amazing that Egypt is called Ami, my people. And the Assyrians are referred to as God's creation. So although these three nations presently represent three different religions, it's important to point out that there will not be three religions in the future. All three nations will serve the God of Israel and his Messiah. And Egypt will be freed from the Pharaoh-like spirit of the Islamists. And Isaiah 19 reveals that Hebrew will be spoken in the land of Egypt. The Assyrian Christians will be revived and renewed. And Israel itself, having come through the time of Jacob's trouble and having survived the Antichrist's short reign, will be at peace with King Messiah. Peace will finally be possible because all the peoples in the region will have peace in their hearts by submitting to Messiah's rule. Isaiah 19 is prophetic and so thrilling because it foresees those three formerly hostile nations putting away their prejudices and racial animosities and embracing a common salvation through King Messiah. Yeshua is his Hebrew name. For centuries, Egypt was the quintessential ancient foe and oppressor of Israel. And on the other hand, Assyria was the great scatterer of Israel, the destroyer of Jerusalem and the temple. Two Assyrian kings, like winged lions, invaded the Promised Land. The Assyrians took the Israelites into captivity, yet Isaiah foresees the Israelis returning from Assyria and from all the lands where God scattered the Jews. And both Egypt and Assyria will live in peace and harmony with Israel under the banner of God's blessing. When we examine the current levels of terrorism and hostility in the region, Isaiah's vision seems almost impossible. Is this prophecy only a dream or can we guarantee it according to God's word? I say, yes, this vision of peace and messianic rule is the tenor of all of Scripture. It's surely the vision of Jesus who said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And Bible scholars say that we can conclude from Isaiah 19 that there are indeed elect nations endowed with special privileges. For Israel is to be a blessing in the midst of the land to unify the region, and the Lord's seat of empire in Israel will still be preeminent because Isaiah 19 describes the land of Judah as a terror to the proud land of Egypt. The Assyrians for the most part are already converted, and they no longer serve their ancient heathen Assyrian gods, but Isaiah 19 outlines Egypt's conversion to the true faith. Verse 18 says that five cities will speak the tongue of Canaan. That's Hebrew, the language of the worship of the God of Israel. And the Egyptians will take an oath of loyalty to Israel's God. The Egyptians will no longer bow down to a stone in Saudi Arabia. In Egypt, an altar of the true faith with some sort of pillar will be seen, visibly witnessing that the Lord of hosts, is worshiped in the land. There'll be a covenant between the God of Israel and the repentant, restored land of Egypt. Like the Israelite slaves who once lived in bondage in Egypt, Isaiah 19 says that the Egyptians will cry to God in the midst of their oppression and God will listen to them and send deliverance. And Isaiah nineteen twenty-two says God will smite Egypt and then heal Egypt. This is God's M.O. This is God's way of operating. Conversion from evil usually doesn't happen without suffering and humbling oneself. Elsewhere, we see this principle of correction in the scriptures. God says, I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. He smites and then, hallelujah, he binds up. And what about the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 24 that we hear so many Bible prognosticators talking about that the Antichrist will be called the Assyrian. Some say he will literally be an Assyrian and other scholars say this is because he will rule the old Assyrian Empire territory when he arises. But the main point I've made in this program is that Assyria itself as a nation will re-emerge and it will be a blessing in the millennial along with Israel and Egypt. Ancient Assyria's principal territory consisted basically of modern Iraq and Syria. So to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy, the territories of modern Syria and Iraq will merge somehow into one entity called Assyria, which will make peace with Israel and will experience a great revival. The same God who miraculously is regathering Israel can do the same for the Assyrians. Much like the Jews, the Assyrians have wandered and are scattered in many countries, and many are living in the United States. Aramaic still survives as a spoken language. But the Israelites have regained their language in their country, and the Assyrians, who have been without a country for more than 2,000 years will also regain theirs. Just as God blessed the Assyrians when they repented under the preaching of the prophet Jonah, so it will happen again. I want to invite you to join our ministry, therefore, in prayer for the greatest revival the world will ever see when the God of Israel and His Messiah reign in this region with Jerusalem as their worship capital of the world. We also want to invite you to our strategic prayer convocations here in the land of the Bible to believe God with us for the fulfillment of all the prophecies in God's Holy Word. You can watch this program and all of our programs at our website at exploits.tv where you can click online to receive our ministry magazines. And let's connect also on the social media. And so until next time, praying for the peace of Jerusalem, praying for the Isaiah 19 highway and earnestly contending for the faith, I'm Christine Darg. Shalom. I'm so grateful to God that we can make the Jerusalem channel available to a global audience and to you. There's so much spam in the airwaves and on the Internet to distract us from what's really important. Every day it seems that there's another internet sensation, usually a pet performing silly tricks or something like that. The experts claim that our attention span for watching a video is just a minute or two. And even that needs razzle-dazzle effects with a thumping soundtrack to retain viewers' interest, so they claim. Well, that's just not what we're about. Taking God's word seriously and explaining what the Lord is doing in this critical hour means that our videos are at least a half hour of content. And we're honored to say that over three quarters of a million people watch our free video teachings. Now, if we were a big church or a large media ministry, we would have all the necessary resources to make the Jerusalem Channel possible, but we're not. We're just a small team with a mandate to declare a biblical message and to help you understand God's heart for Israel in the surrounding nations. And because God also loves the Muslims, the Hindus, and everybody in the world, our ministry also shares the good news of saving health to all nations. Although we make do with the vital support from you, our viewers and website visitors, There's so much more we could accomplish in the critical harvest days ahead. One major goal is to offer our videos in other languages, in Hebrew, Arabic, German, French, Spanish, Hindu, Urdu, and so on. But that will only be possible with your help. Our ministry is tax deductible in the United States, and we're also a registered charity in the UK which allows us to claim gift aid on qualifying donations. We really need you to help the Jerusalem Channel continue and grow. You can make a credit or a debit card donation online at our website, JerusalemChannel.TV, or by phone. In the USA, it's toll free at 1-888-245-2692. And in the UK, Our national rates number is 0300-561-0005. Thanks so much for being a part of this end-time outreach and praying for the peace of Jerusalem.